Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. gentleness, which is another word for kindness, another word to use there would be kindness, goodness, and faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I love you today, and I so much appreciate you giving all of us the privilege to be back here again tonight and to feel your presence. And now the opportunity that you have afforded us to sit down and just warm our souls by the fire and the heat and the truth of your word. I pray that we will indeed leave changed and challenged, and I pray that you'll help us grow and become what your word teaches us that we can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. The book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12, I'm going to read this from the New King James Version, Colossians 3 and 12. The Bible says, Therefore, as the elect of God... Holy and beloved, put on, put on. That's a proactive phrase there. We've got to put this on. Nothing's going to fall out of the sky. Nothing's going to be blown on us or sprayed on us. We're going to have to be pretty intentional if we arrive at these things. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Bearing one another, bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, I realize that there's been a, a pretty good gap between the studies of the fruit of the Spirit from our last visit until now. I I didn't plan on being away from this for five weeks, but nevertheless, here we are. So I want to just go back to a couple of things and not just rehash it all, but I, I want to go back to just a couple of points, and um, especially from our last, the last time that we were uh, teaching on this. I mentioned this a couple of times on these Wednesday nights, that one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit builds upon another. And so we need this one to get this one. And so uh, I, I think that we must understand that we can't be selective and say, I want that, but I don't want anything to do with this and that thing, uh, things of that nature. So we have to consider the other attributes that are left in this passage, and uh, they are the subject tonight, kindness, goodness, faith, and gentleness. And so these remaining attributes are going to need something to flow out of. And so I was talking about that night long-suffering, and that something that the elements flow from is going to be that that we are most intentional about, and that is 
allowing the Spirit of the Lord to develop in us what we refer to today as patience. The Bible sometimes calls it long-suffering. In other words, it will be a real struggle, a true struggle to have kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness if we don't develop the aspect of patience in our life. Now, I know we've, we've most, uh, most of us at least have heard this at least at some point in our life, especially in our walk with God, when people, I think, well-meaningly say, don't ever pray for patience because you're really going to be tried. Well, I, I understand where we're you know, coming from, but I also understand that if I don't get this nailed down, then goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness is not going to have anything to flow out of. And so this is not something we can say, well, I'm going to get on here and I want this, but man, this patience thing, we better, you know, don't, as my, my wife's niece sometimes says, don't ever poke a sleeping bear. <laughs> and so sometimes we don't awaken this giant. We'll just kind of skip over this as though, you know, this is not important. It's very important. Because other things have got to flow from this. It's got to, and so we have to establish this in our life. So I remind us all of this tonight simply to make this point. We have to get this. We can't go any further without it. I, I don't I think it was around, somewhere around the ninth grade, we were in math class, and, and um, some of you will remember and know Mr. Fred Ward. He was our, our math teacher and and uh, I remember being so frustrated because I could get the answer, but I couldn't tell him how I got the answer. And I just thought having the answer should be enough. That ought to just satisfy. What's the big deal? He said, I don't want to see the answer. I want to know how you got here. And so we must get this because it's the journey that will make the difference. And so some things that are just handed to us don't mean nearly as much to us as those things that we have to buy or or someone said many years ago, a lesson bought is a lesson taught. If you, do, if you make a mistake and it costs you something, we generally remember that. <laughs> we generally remember that, whether that's, whether that's uh, finances or time or whatever. If it costs us something, a lesson bought is a lesson taught. So we must get this. And so I think it's only fair to state that this, the aspect of gentleness, is, as we discuss the fruit of the Spirit, can be very challenging to instill and to manifest in our lives. So if we want to talk about challenges, not patience is not just going to be the only challenge, but to talk about what we're talking about tonight, gentleness, to exercise kindness, because it's not always easy to be kind, because sometimes you just like to say what crossed your mind. But it probably wouldn't be in anyone's best interest. Sometimes we would just like to respond as that first knee-jerk reaction hit our instincts, our impulse, but it probably would be in no one's best interest to do that. And so we got to instill this in our lives and then manifest this in our lives. So uh, I, I'm taking quite a bit of time here, but I, I'm saying all of that to say this, that if we just glance at this, if we just brush past this, then it will be a huge injustice to the subject of gentleness and kindness. <laughs> if we just say, yeah, that'd be a good thing to have, we ought to probably pick up a little bit of that on the way. So we need to have a true understanding. If we don't have a true understanding, then we're only left to have a misunderstanding of its value. And it will be very, very valuable to us in our pursuit to allow the gospel of the Lord to shine through our lives because people are looking for someone that's different. 
not just someone who looks different, but somebody who really is truly different. There is something in their heart. And so gentleness, uh, of course, could actually be defined by several other words, words like compassion, kindness, or meekness, and and uh, perhaps the most accurate definition relating to the fruit of the Spirit would be this, excellence in character or excellence in demeanor. And so when we use words like excellent or excellence or perfect, well, those words cast a big shadow, don't they? And we think, well, I just could never do that. But we understand that excellence is the highest level attainable. That is the, that is the high watermark or that is the bar that is set. But I think that what we have to understand before we just drop our head and bow out and say, well, I can't do that. And so we're just going to, you're going to just kind of check out prematurely. We have to understand that in certainly in our relationships, God expects, and if I may even insert the word demands, excellence. I believe that the children of God, the body of Christ, it's not just about singing on key and clapping on time, <laughs> but we need, to be, we need to be right in our relationships, not just with one another, but right now, all of our relationships as much as possible. God's not looking, looking for acceptable, and God's not looking for minimum, but God is looking for excellence. Gentleness in our walk with the Lord is how we express ourselves to those about us, not just how we respond to a situation every now and then or just how we did it one or two times, but it's, it's an expression of ourselves to be around someone that's gentle is a very pleasant thing. Maybe let me say it another way. To be around people that are not gentle is a very unpleasant thing. Amen. I detest having to be around people that are unpredictable. Amen. I'm sorry for airing that little bit of laundry. We took a little pause for station identification there. But but people that you never know how they're going to respond. They just liable to just go off like a, like a Roman candle and, and just you don't ever know how to, to respond. And so I can never relax in those situations and so I'm not comfortable and I avoid them at all costs. But, but to be around people that are gentle and kind, to take off little pieces of themselves and to, to instill that in us and to help us along our way. I, I've always been very concerned, if I may pastorally say this, when Holy Ghost professing people lack true godly compassion. I've always been concerned about that. I mean, we might have the holiness thing right down pat, and that's important. We need that. But when people have the Holy Ghost and they have no compassion for people around them, where is our compassion for the lostness of people? Where is our compassion for for the vices of sin that people find themselves in? I I know it, it, it's, it takes very little effort to don a black robe of judgment and cast and hurl judgments and, and opinions and attitudes, but to be compassionate. To, I believe that people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, truly, truly filled with the Holy Ghost, we ought to be tender in our heart. We ought to be compassionate and loving. Amen. There, there doesn't need to be an abrasiveness or a, or a, to our demeanor or an abrasiveness to our attitude and and, uh, and that, no matter what your genetic background or makeup may be. Because we say we've been born, somebody fill in the blank for me, again. Well, if we've been born again, then we need to let that new nature 
take over. And I realize that for some, that will be a much taller mountain to climb than others. But can I say this? It's a mountain worth climbing. It is a battle worth winning. It truly is. And so we have to have to be aware of, of words that have been taught us and examples that have been given us. Like 2 Corinthians 3 and 2. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church, a very dysfunctional group of people, by the way. He said, ye, talking about the Corinthian church, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Now, Paul, if you'll leave that verse there for just a moment, Paul is very, very intentional. These are not just random words cast out. This is not something he just said in a huff because he was reminding them, not, not, not being disrespectful to the law of Moses or, or any of that, but he was reminding them that this is not just about something that's been chiseled in stone. This is not about something that happened on Mount Sinai that Moses brought down with him and that was placed in the Ark of the Covenant. But we're talking about writing something not with, with, on rock or not even with ink and parchment, but we're talking about written on the hearts of men, indelibly there. It's just a part of who we are. In essence, Paul was stating that, that our actions precede us and we are known by our actions because we have all heard it that actions speak louder than words. And so it's what we do by example. And so kindness is not just saying thank you, yes ma'am, no ma'am. I'm not talking about just what we do with our lips, but I'm talking about a spirit that exudes from us in, in every situation. And so without much ado, I think we could agree that there is a great necessity for gentleness. And so in order for us to correctly manifest gentleness, that we, we first have to understand the need of it. And so we have to get sold on the idea that I need this. I need this. Not just something that, uh, you know, I can consider. But throughout Scripture, we find various passages of Scripture admonishing us about our integrity or about our character or uh, about our relationships with one another and how we treat people we begin realizing that gentleness is, number one, a work of the Spirit. I understand that some people are born with a more gentle spirit or nature than other people, but what I'm, what I'm talking about tonight are not just human attributes or human uh, aspects, but I'm talking about what the Spirit can give birth to because I'm telling you that God can change people. Yes, He can. He's, His Spirit can change us. And so if we're not, just, if we're not given to this, then that doesn't mean that we're exempt from this. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind. The word mind there means fulfill. And so if I could just read it this way, for they that are after the flesh do fulfill the things of the flesh. We gratify that flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And so if, if left to the desires of the flesh, we would not always act with gentleness, not always. There are times when we would respond and react from solely a personal or natural, carnal or fleshly 
desire. We would just do what we want to do, say what we want to say. But once we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, our nature, there should be a transformation process. And I realize that it is a process. And I realize tonight that everybody, including the man holding this microphone, is a work in in progress. It is a process. But we need to understand that I'm moving forward with this. I'm not satisfied with who I am, how I am, or how I act. And so we no longer mind or we no longer fulfill the things of the flesh. Instead, we begin to respond as the Spirit would have us respond. And, uh, and, and many times we can just ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? And I know that was almost made fun of a few years ago. We heard it so often. It was almost taken lightly, but it's true. What would Jesus do? Or how would the Lord handle this situation? Or, or how would we want this situation handled? it were us. Instead, we had to respond not just what after the flesh, but what the Spirit would say. And so in this case, manifest in gentleness to whom we come in contact with is certainly what the Lord would expect of us. The New Testament teaching of gentleness, uh, as with others, has an Old Testament foundation. And so we're not just kind of launching out here on something that has no foundation. And so I want you to consider with me, if you will, Let's just go back into the Old Testament for just a moment. When the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot began contending for the best grazing ground, when contention came in the camp, I think it's imperative that we see how Abram handled this situation. And so the Bible says in Genesis 13 and 8, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. We're, we're, we're in this together. And so let's don't fight among us. We're all in the same thing. We're all in the same boat. And so here's what Abram said. He said, is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if that will go, if that will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if that will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And so Abram, I think it's important to note that an elder here took charge of this situation and did the right thing. But I think it's also worth noting that as an elder, that Abram had the right to choose. And he could have said, I am going to go this way and you go that way. He was Lot's uncle. He was the elder of the situation, but... But Abram took, if I may say, the low road. He said, I want, let's just work this out because we don't need to have strife. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have peace at any cost, and I hope you don't think that because we can't have anything if we have the philosophy of peace at any cost because if you run your home with peace at any cost, it's going to, the price tag is going to get pretty high. But I am saying that we should strive, strive, Amen. So to avoid further strife, Abram practiced gentleness. And I, I think that we need to understand also that Abram didn't just randomly practice gentleness and then it just kind of vaporized. I believe that Abram's life was blessed because he did the right thing. He did what was right. And so when, when David, another illustration of the Old Testament, when David ascended to the throne, there was absolutely nothing that required him to offer kindness to the household of Saul. As a matter of fact, as barbaric as it sounds, 
It was quite customary that when one king assumed a throne that he utterly destroyed the, the, the preceding leaders. And, and you can find places in Scripture where, where, they, where they not just kill people, but they burn them. They didn't just burn them, but they ground their bones to, to dust. I think that's utterly being utterly destroyed. <laughs> well, that was all the law. That, that, was, that was what you just, you just stamp out. You just put out the fire of the previous administration. And so David, under the law, had no obligation whatsoever to Saul or any of his descendants. But if you remember in the 18th chapter of Samuel, if you remember that David and Jonathan, Saul's son, made a covenant with one another and and Jonathan wasn't asking for anything for himself, but he said, I just want you to show kindness unto my my children. I want you to be kind to my family. And so he, he had every right he could have banished all of Saul's lineage, but he remembered a covenant that was made. He remembered that covenant. And, and so he extended, I believe, that, I believe also that David realized he had had some mercy sh- shown in his life as well. And so David extended that same mercy to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, and in doing so, he made Mephibosheth a faithful follower of his leadership. He did what was right and Mephibosheth always did what was right. And you'll even find the scripture later where, where it's just my opinion and it's not worth crossing swords over, but where, where later on when Mephibosheth wasn't where he should have been, that David, David took away his inheritance. And then, and then when David restored it, he only restored half of it back. That's always kind of been a mystery in my mind. But do you know what? Mephibosheth was still faithful to him. He was still faithful. And so I think doing the right thing, it it pays dividends. It may not pay them tomorrow, but it pays dividends. Perhaps one of the greatest stories of gentleness in the entire Bible, certainly in in the Old Testament, is found in the book of Ruth. From beginning to end, we find gentleness portrayed again and again and again and again. And I realize to some degree I'm preaching to the choir tonight, so I'll just hit the high points. But we find Naomi, encouraging her daughter-in-laws to return to their homeland. You just, stay, you just stay put. And she was showing compassion and concern. She said, I don't have any more sons. I can't give you any more sons. And if I had a son today, you're not going to wait around long enough for them to be old enough to marry. You stay and just go on with your life. She had the ability to put herself in their position. Ruth, expressing a desire to stay with Naomi, she exhibited in her life unselfish love. Your God will be my God. You Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. And so we find this gentle nature, Naomi's encouragement to Ruth to just go into the field of Boaz, who just go and maybe you can glean something there. Again, expresses a kind and a gentle spirit toward her daughter-in-law. And oh, how the dividends begin to pay off because Boaz is speaking with Ruth. He commended her. He commends her gentle spirit toward Naomi. He recognized the gentleness in her and I'm going to tell you, any man with his head halfway screwed on straight would realize gentleness. He saw that. He said, this young lady, this would make a good wife right here because she knows how to treat people around her. Then he expresses the same spirit toward Ruth when she agreed to become, when he agreed to become her kinsman redeemer. What, what gentleness, what kind, he didn't have to do that. But he was kind. From beginning to end, the book of Ruth is just saturated with a spirit of gentleness and, it, and, 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 uh, and its portrait of its rewards. Since, since March the 1st, 
We've been on a journey reading through the book of Proverbs. We have called this March to Wisdom, just reading a book of Proverbs every day, a chapter of Proverbs every day, excuse me, along with our, uh, our other reading. But the book of Proverbs is so full and rich of instructions about gentleness. Brother Gibson and I were just talking about this yesterday, of how many, how many verses and scriptures that, that we kind of have rolling around in our mind and, and uh, we may have them associated somewhere else in the scripture and then you read in the book of Proverbs and say, well, wow, it's right here. There it is, that passage of scripture. I'm going to read just a few. We don't have these for the screen, but just listen to this. Proverbs 15 and 1, the Bible says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Amen. Somebody bows up and gets in your face. Well, if you want to fight, just bow up back. But if you want to shock somebody to silence, be kind. Amen. It's not always easy to do that. Especially when you're right and they're wrong. Especially when you're human. Especially when you've got red blood coursing through your veins. Especially when that old Adamic nature is not quite buried as deep as we thought it was. Amen. Not always easy to do that. But you know what? You just begin to put that fire out little by little. Just kindness, kindness just begins to melt the heart. It may not morph them into something unrecognizable in, in three minutes or less, but I promise you it's, it starts chipping away much better than if we respond the same way. Proverbs 3 and 27, withhold not good from him, from them to whom it is due. Most especially, the Bible has this here, just especially when it is in the power of your hand to do it. If you can do something, don't withhold that from someone, but just be kind. And you know what? We, we may not all have a million dollars here. There's a few people here with a million, but we may not always have a million, but all of us have a million, but all of us have kindness. All of us have kindness. You're trying to figure out who they are, aren't you? <laughs> don't, don't look this way. He said, if it's in your hand to do it, if you have the ability to do it, we all have the ability to be kind. We all have the ability to be gentle. Proverbs eleven twenty three: the desire of the righteous is only good. Proverbs eleven twenty seven: he that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, or you obtain favor. If you're praying for something, don't pray for blessings, pray for favor, that the favor of God will be upon your life. Amen, if God's hand of favor is upon your life, the blessings will come in due time, but you just want to walk in the favor of the Lord. 14 and 21 said, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. 15 and 18, a wrathful man stirreth up, wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. So over and over and over, again, we see such great value placed on the acts of being gentle. So here is the $64,000 question. If this is so important in my walk with God, and if this is so important in my life, then how do I develop this attribute? And I use the word develop intentionally. I didn't say how do you get this, because you don't just get this. You don't just tap on the counter. You don't just say, I'll have me some of that. We have to develop this. So it deals first, I think. I think this is the beginning. I, I believe this is where we start developing gentleness in our, in our spirit. I think it first comes from our relationship and more importantly, our approach to God. Please, please hear me tonight. It's developed in humility toward God. God hates arrogance. 
He despises pride and a proud look. But humility turns the hand of God and the head of God. And so when you consider when you consider in all honesty, like David did, the greatness and the majesty of God, it's not difficult to be humbled in his presence. So let's look at it, Psalms 8 and 3. Here's what David said. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, I, I don't know where David was in his, I don't know what he was doing the day, the moment that he wrote this passage, but I believe somewhere, somehow, again, as Brother Rayleigh mentioned a moment ago, that somehow David was beholding something of the creativeness of God or the creation of God. He said, when I consider your heaven, when I consider the work of your fingers, when I look at the moon and the stars that you have made, then this is what David takes away from this. What is a man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? David was certainly not alone in these feelings because we find men like Isaiah who saw, when he saw the presence of the Lord manifested before him in Isaiah 6 and 1, this is what we find. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it, he's very descriptive here. Above it, he said, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face, and with twain, he covered his feet, and with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Pay careful attention to verse number four. The Bible says, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. I wanna pause here in my reading long enough to say something about verse number four. Some associate this moving of the doorpost with the earthquake during the reign of Uzziah in Isaiah 5 and 25. And so, but, but regardless of that or not, I, I just want to point out that it was the sheer intensity of worship. Amen. The sheer intensity of worship, such as that stationary and that foundational fixture of the temple was impacted. And the scripture says the post of the door moved. <laughs> Amen. There was such intense worship. Amen, the power of the Lord filled the temple. Amen, the glory of the Lord filled the temple with a great smoke and, and uh, the Isaiah's response then to this was not with his chest poked out saying, man, I'm serving a mighty big God here. And he wasn't turning around to his neighbors and say, hey guys, check out this that I call the God of my life. But when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, in verse number five, this is what Isaiah said. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Amen, that was Isaiah's take. 
I'm talking about how do we develop gentleness? How do we develop kindness? I think first we start by our response and our humility in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I don't think God wants us to be shamefaced or bashful. I'm not talking about that. I don't think God wants us to be afraid to come into his presence. But I want you to understand that Isaiah wasn't talking about how awesome his God was when he was in his God's presence, but he was talking about how unclean he was when he was in the presence of his God. And so I think we develop that. We begin developing that by our relationship and our approach to God. John, John beheld several instances of humility before the Lord. In Revelation 4 and 10, the Bible says, the four and 20 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure they are, they are and were created. John saw wonderful things in the, when he saw the presence of the Lord. In, in Revelation 7, 11, and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell <clears throat> before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. I know we've referred to this many, many times, myself and others, that we talk about if the Lord were to manifest himself, what, what, how our response would be. You know, I'd like to, I want to talk to the Lord. I want to ask him this. I don't think we would have a whole lot to say in the presence of the Lord. Not really. Not really, because I think the glory and the majesty of God would be a very humiliating thing, a very humbling thing, maybe I, if, if maybe better understood, a very humbling thing. Secondly, we put on we put on gentleness, or we develop gentleness by by our practicing that with people. Amen. One thing, if we're just going to spiritualize this, we can kind of fake that sometimes. Amen. But when you got to practice it on people, now that's another story. Every day we're given an opportunity to interact with people. And so it's how are we going to respond? How are we going to handle this? The Bible says in Titus 3, 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so from these verses, we find that God expects us to approach everyone, regardless of their stature or position in life, with gentleness. Gentleness. True gentleness, I believe, is submissive, obedient. It does good work, speaks positive, not contentious, gentle, gentle. Colossians 3 and 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And so from this passage, we learn several things about expressing gentleness unto people. One of the things that we learn right out of the gate is that we have to be proactive in this. We're, we're to always take the high road. 
Amen. It's not always easy, but we're always take the, the high road. I mentioned Abram a moment ago. He could have gone any which way he wanted. He was in charge. He was the man. And he said, Lot, whatever you want to do, let's just keep peace among us. So if you want to go this way, go, and I'll, I'll go the other way. But this is not worth this is not worth it because he was saying, look at all the land before us. And we're squabbling about this little patch of grass. No, there's too much in this. There's too much to gain. And so it's, 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 so, it's so important that we learn the value of long-suffering and patience and humility and forgiving and moving on. Amen, burying the hatchet, handle and all, <laughs> someone said. We do this because Christ did the very same thing for us. He forgave us. And so when we do, we prove ourselves to be a part of that holy and elect of God. And I just want to say this, not to try to, in, to even sound like it's a, a, a statement of intimidation at all, but we need to really understand people are watching. Someone is looking, even from a distance. They're watching how we respond. They're, they're watching how we act. And you never know. You just never know. You never know. I didn't plan on sharing this, but it just came to my mind. I'll insert this here. You never know. Uh, uh, Saturday or so ago, we had a work day at the church, and <clears throat> so I, I went inside that night, and I, and for whatever reason, I, I'm probably just like most of people here, pretty regimented about uh, about certain things, and so I always take my wallet out, my knife, and all these things, put it in a certain place, and. Uh, and I'm glad my wife's not here to tell you about all those places that I put those things because <laughs> I, I made that sound pretty tidy and neat, didn't I? But for whatever reason, Sunday morning I got up to come to church and I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. And uh, we decided to go ahead and wash the clothes since they were so dirty Saturday night and and um, I washed my wallet and the, everything in it. <clears throat> so before church, I just took everything out and laid it out to dry and uh, came on to church. And so after the service, we had a few things to, to take care of, and uh, we were just getting ready to leave, and, and so we had had one plans to eat, and we decided we'll just, let's just run uptown, and we'll just go up to town and get something to eat. So we went pulled into the parking lot of Sisters. And uh, so we pulled into the parking lot. She said, just get something. we'll just get something to go. You go in, and uh, I'll just sit here in the car. And so when I got out of the car, when I stood up out of the car, I realized my wallet. My wallet is at home on the counter and everything in it is laying out to dry. And I leaned back down in the car, in the, the car and I said, I don't have my wallet. And I said, so you're going to need to give me, well, she had just one of those purses with her just for looks kind of thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. See, you couldn't put two more, more than two thoughts in that purse, much less anything else. She said, I don't have anything with me. And, and, and there was a family that was getting in the, they were coming out and they were getting in the van next to us. And when I, I was just kind of lost for just a moment. And the lady spoke up and she said, excuse me, sir, did you forget your wallet? <laughs> and I said, yes. I said, yes, ma'am, I did. She said, I know what that feels like. She said, come on, let's go inside. I'm going to buy your lunch. I was just I was just embarrassed all over. All I was just humiliated all over. And I kept saying, No, you're not you're not gonna buy it. And her husband would stand there, he was putting he was putting one of the children in a car seat and he was just shaking and said, Yes, he said, just follow her in. 
And I was just, you know, you can just imagine yourself, and you can put yourself there pretty easy, can't you? And I just kept saying no, and she was just wouldn't have it. No, what she said, come on, just come on. So I felt 12 years old. I was just kind of walking. I just, I just felt like a little 12-year-old. I was walking in behind this lady. I was just trying to figure out how am I going to do this. And, and I know she meant this in the best possible way, but when we walked in, <laughs> when we walked in, she just turned around. She said to the lady at the counter, who we know, <laughs> And uh, I don't know why I didn't just think about just going there and see if I could just bum a meal and just pay them later. That never crossed my mind. But she said, these folks here forgot their wallet, and I'm going to buy their lunch. And she just announced it. And, uh, you know, I just felt like everybody in the restaurant heard it, and I'm sure no one did, but I just felt like. And, uh, and so I looked at the lady behind the counter, and I said, and you had better not ever mention this. And here I am telling it publicly. And, and I was just, I was standing there. It was just such an awkward thing. And, uh, and I said, ma'am, but you don't even know us. And about that time that I said that, the lady told her how much our bill was. She stepped up and paid the bill and she stepped back and she said, but I do know you. And I said, Really? And she said, several years ago, you preached my father's funeral. And I thought, wow. I was so glad at that moment that I didn't just start, me and Sister Boyd didn't just duke it out in the parking lot. (laughs) If you had never washed my wallet, we wouldn't be in this situation right here. (laughs) Can't you just see how that could have gone Another way? I mean, easily, easily, right? <laughs> I am way in over my head now. Way off of my notes, way off of my notes. But I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That I, I didn't even, rem- I remembered the, after all of that, but I didn't remember her. She was a young girl and now a lady with a family and children. And, and uh, But I do know you. And that's the, that's the phrase I want you to take home. We think sometimes, but you don't even know us. And somebody may say, but I do know you. But I do know you. Amen. That, that gripped my heart. Thirdly, and, and we'll just wrap this up. Thirdly, we have to allow the Spirit to work through us. Philippians 2.5 said, let this mind be in you. Allow this mind to be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We're instructed to be like-minded. We're, in, we're instructed to have like-minded actions. How would Jesus respond to some situations? And so when we look at Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, it's summarized for us in just three and a half short years we watch his life play out before us as a tale that is told. He was so gentle and kind and he, he, he stepped beyond barriers that should have never been violated according to the minds of men. He touched lepers and he healed those on the Sabbath day and he, he spoke kindly and gently to a woman that was caught in adultery. He spoke gently to a woman at the well. He touched children and he pulled them unto him when the disciples were saying, go home and take them away. He fed the multitudes who came and never planned on being there that long. He always was kind, kind. 
These acts were performed out of a life of genuine kindness. This was no dog and pony show. This was not him saying, watch this. They were so natural. They were so natural. Romans 8 and 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, they are the sons of God. And so portraying a spirit of meekness with the help of the Holy Ghost establishes our place in the family of God. And so when we consider the Holy Ghost ministers to our deepest need in such a gentle fashion, then I think why in the world would we want to minister to others in that same gentle fashion? Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is not stagnant, always working. Spirit continually working in us. And so we are admonished. Here's what the Scripture says. Don't quench the Spirit, or don't extinguish the Spirit. And so the Spirit, you know what the Spirit's doing tonight? It's working on us. It's working on us. Don't quench that. Don't quench that. When when your flesh would want to rise up and the Spirit says, be kind, don't quench that, because that's the Spirit working on us. Amen. Our musicians can just stay where you are, and if you'll stand with me, I'll close with this. In his, in his book, many of you may have read some of John Maxwell's books. He writes a lot of books on leadership. In his book entitled Be, Be a People Person, John Maxwell tells this story. He said Mr. Myrick had to go to Chicago on business, and so he persuaded his brother to take care of his cat while he was away. Even though his brother hated cats, he agreed. Upon his return, Myrick called from the airport not to really let him know where he was in his journey, but Myrick called from the airport to ask him how his cat was doing, to which his brother just curtly replied, your cat died, and then hung up. Myrick was inconsolable. His grief was magnified by his brother's insensitivity, so he called back to express his pain. So when his brother answered the phone, he said, you know, there was just no need for you to be so blunt. And he said, well, what else was I supposed to say? Your cat died. He said, well, you could have broken the news more gradually. He said, let me explain. He said, you could have said like this. The cat was playing on the roof. And then later in the conversation, you could have said he fell off. And then you could have said and broke his leg. And then when I came to pick him up, you could have said gently, I'm sorry to tell you, but your cat passed away through the night. So he said, you need to learn from this. You've got to be more tactful. You've got to be more gentle. You've got to be more graceful. He said, by the way, how is mom doing? And after a long pause, his brother said, well, mom was playing on the roof. (laughs) There's a way to handle things. There's a way to handle things. And the spirit will guide us. He will lead us. Aren't you glad you came to church tonight? (laughs) Amen. That was probably a poor way to end, but (laughs) there's a way to handle life. It comes at us fast and furious and sometimes unannounced. But God help us to have the character of Jesus Christ because it's not what we do on Sunday and it's really not what we're doing right now that matters. It's what we do when we walk out of these doors because I want to be this, not just pretend to be this. I want to be this.
Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for these sweet people that have given several hours of their time this afternoon to prepare and drive, to be here, and then to go back home. Thank you, Lord, for them being willing to commit themselves to this church and to your cause. And so I ask you now, God, to bless them and bless us as we consider your word here this evening, that it would not just be words that that we just hear with our ear and then dismiss them in just a little while. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.